Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned into the Loan Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and a special guest all the way down the hall from 2699 Lee Road, Waterstone Mortgages, Patrick, do not try to spell his last name, but let me pronounce it for you, She Cheyenne. Patrick She Cheyenne, welcome to the Loan Officer Podcast. Thank you so much. Your quantitative has arrived. My quant is here. I'm here. I love this. Patrick, uh, for those tuning in, how much volume, what type of units did you produce last year? So last year, year, the year 2020, I did about 125 units for about 35 million. Perfect. So 125, 35 million. And how long have you been in the mortgage industry? So last year would have been my sixth full year in the industry. Perfect. So you're working on your seventh full year. Um, you're fairly young. You got in the mortgage business, second career outside of college, correct? Correct. UCF national champs. Yeah. So you went to UCF, go Knights, charge on. What did you do your first two years out of college? So first two years out of college, you know, I was in real estate, you know, trying to figure it out. You know, I've always wanted to, you know, help people in this sort of way. So I figured real estate would be the best way to, you know, obtain income and of course help people. Okay. So you sold real estate and I know this, but I'm trying to get it for the audience. That's how I met you. So for those tuning in, I met Patrick because he was a buyer's agent at a local Keller Williams. Uh, he and I started chatting. Uh, he ended up referring his buyers to me. This is back when I was hardcore into production. Um, and then I remember the day that Patrick said, Hey, let's grab lunch, but I'm paying. I'm like, Ooh, that's odd. Realtors don't typically pay for lenders to go to lunch, but sure. I love a free meal. And he goes, Hey, I want to do what you want to do. And in fact, if I remember, you told me that the first time I met you, Hey, I'm pretty sure I want to do what you want to do, but I'm going to sell real estate. I'm going to attend bar. And then I'm going to see where things go. You did it for a couple of years and you and you realized, yeah, you know what? I do want to be on the finance side of things, not necessarily on the real estate sales side of things. Correct. Just like anything else, you want to know the ins and outs of everything. And I figured what way to start besides, you know, get into real estate, no barriers to entry, you know, graduated from UCF with a finance degree. So I wanted to parlay those two. And I figured I did like the real estate industry, but for the most part, you know, I knew there was always something else. So the calling came and it was you. No. And I love that because I um, spend quite a bit of time either mentoring college students or having college uh, students in as interns. And the one thing I tell them is, look, where you start is not where you're going to finish. Just go out and gain experience, get out there and network, get to know people and then allow nature to take over. And naturally you will be exposed to certain aspects of certain industries. You'll be drawn more towards others than you do to towards, towards, you know, others, right? There's some you're drawn towards or some that you're not. Now you're on today's show not to talk about how you went from your first year in the business, where, by the way, Patrick had a great first year. He closed $12 million in volume in 2014 as a rookie loan officer, right? And a rookie loan officer who was still in his early to mid-20s. Patrick did last year produce enough volume that puts him pretty darn close to the top 1% in the entire industry of loan originators. But I wanted Patrick to come on today's show to answer this question. What the fuck just happened to mortgage rates? Well, they went up. No shit. We're done, right? We are done. Cut it. We're done. Holy cow. And I apologize to all of the little ears that shouldn't be listening, but because they saw the little E next to this, they're like, oh, I want to tune in. This guy uses dirty words. But if you are a loan officer and you're not hiding underneath a rock, the past three weeks have been a massive kick to the gut 
as we saw the bond market absolutely just tank, right? We saw the bond market tank, interest rates jumped up. You're a loan officer. I could have pulled some strings, begged, pleaded, and maybe, maybe gotten someone as awesome as Barry Habib to call in. Ooh. At which point, by the way, we don't do call-ins. Mm. If you've noticed, we only do guests that are willing to come to Orlando and sit face-to-face. During COVID, that has definitely um, shortened our guest list, but it's also allowed us to bring in folks like you and like Mike Smalley, who are local, like Julia Bell, like Toby Moyle, who are local in Orlando, who are great resources, but maybe don't have the, the national flair just yet. But I wanted you in instead of a Barry, because A, you're right down the hall from me. Um, but B, you're a loan officer. You're out there talking to realtors. You're talking to borrowers. You're talking to home buyers. I want to hear from you, your take, what happened to rates. I want to hear from you where rates are going. I want to hear from you. How do you explain this to your customers? And then I do want to know how'd you get so smart? Of course. Yeah, that, those are all great. And, you know, I'm glad you brought me on and I'm glad my agent and your agent agreed to everything and we can, you know, make this work out. It's awesome. Yes, it was, <laughs> uh, it was real easy. I texted Patrick and I said, please. And he said, sure. Um, because in full disclosure, you have been a, a great supporter of the show and JC and I's vision from day one course. And I knew at some point I wanted to have you on because you have such a cool story to tell. It just so happened that this is the avenue we get to have on. So let's go ahead for loan officers and loan officers clients that are listening. Literally what the hell just happened over the past three weeks and why? So I'm going to start with, I am just so glad that I can speak to someone and completely geek out over this stuff. Because when I speak to my kids about it, they kind of look at me a little weird and they have no idea what I'm saying. I mean, I don't know if you guys know, but my kids are five and two and they just don't understand it. I just don't. But uh, We have loan officers that are 32 and 55 and they don't understand it either. That's why you're on this show. So my kids know more potentially? Uh, potentially, yes. Wow. Yep. Cool. So, I mean, I'll just start off with an example. You know, I try to be relatable to everyone. You know, Dustin, I'm going to give you $1,000 in singles. Sounds okay. Like, sounds like a good start, right? Yes. So you're walking down the hallway. You have your ceiling and your floor, Right. You're kind of walking, 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 and you fall through the floor. Okay. And then you lose some money, and the, the old floor becomes your new ceiling. That floor was the 200-day moving average if you're looking at an MBS chart, a mortgage-backed security chart. And that level of support was very important because it was keeping rates nice and low. So we'll get into inflation and all this other stuff. But imagine dropping through the floor and losing money to the new ceiling. So now you had a thousand bucks, you fell through the floor, and now you don't have as much. That's mortgage-backed security pricing. Okay, so I think it's first um, great for people to know who maybe are newer to the industry or they haven't sure. been taught this by their current employer, which, by the way, if your employer isn't talking to you about this type of stuff, if they're not at least exposing you to people like Dan Rowich, to people like Barry Habib, I'm going to tell you straight up you need to contemplate heavily a new employer. Because if you're a mortgage professional, you have to at least understand the basics that a mortgage rate is nothing more than a mortgage-backed security, which is a bond. So when bond prices go up, rates go down. When bond prices go down, rates go up. But the real geeky people, the quants, the Patricks, okay, they're going to start talking about things of uh, a a floor of resistance, a, a ceiling of resistance, a floor of support, I should say. And what you're trying to explain to me is that Something technical happened, and we busted through a level of support. And when we did that, it was a free fall? 
for the most part. And usually, and I'm trying, and the reason why I'm using this analogy is because I'm trying to make it as easy as possible for someone who doesn't understand this to understand, because I could say everything that you just mentioned and people might tune out. So correct, we fell through a level of support and that support became the new resistance. But the problem was that happened four times in a span of 10 days. What's causing this to happen? So I'm glad you brought that up. I would say the main con- contribution or would be probably inflation. You know, inflation is the arch enemy of mortgage bonds. And we'll get into that a little bit later. But the point was every single floor we fell through was about 50 basis points. And 50 basis points in terms of a rate sheet would be equivalent to, what would you say? A, an an eight. eighth to a quarter, yeah. usually an eighth, but it could be a quarter depending on which coupon we're on. And, and honestly, and how the market is is treating uh, mortgage-backed securities and what they're willing to pay for them. Correct. So let's just say, you know, that rate of 2.75 that you were quoting three weeks ago, you know, after you fall 50, 100, 150, 200 basis points, if you do the simple math, that's a half, right? Mm-hmm. So now your 2.75 is two, two point, or 3.25 or, you know, three and three eighths. Yeah, your two and a half is three, your three is three yeah. and a half. Yeah, well, there was a massive free fall and it, it had to do a lot with what was just happening in the bond market with the technicalities and then how traders trade yep. off of those technicalities. At least that's my understanding. When I get to sit down and have lunch with guys like you and I get to pick your brain and ask you a ton of questions, and then I try to put it in like Dioisms. Yeah. Like like what's a language that I speak that I can try to explain this to consumers? my father-in-law, my parents, my best friend, like anyone who's not in this industry but is curious, hey, what the hell just happened? Um, it's it's trying to explain this. But like, I don't know if you, if you want to get into this just yet because um, I was getting ready to ask you, but how did you get this smart? Like, we don't teach this at Waterstone Mortgage. You are a loan officer for Waterstone Mortgage. I am also employed by Waterstone Mortgage. Right. And I'm assuming you didn't know this coming out of UCF with your fancy finance degree. You didn't learn this when you were a buyer's agent for a local Keller Williams office. And you sure as hell didn't know it when you were in year one, year two, probably even year three, the way that you know it now. So I want to ask you, why is it important that you know it? And how did you learn it? So, I mean, uh, what we just kind of spoke about was something really important. So we're going to have to go back to that because it's it's very important and we really need it. Well, well, do you want to circle back so that we, we can keep things more circle back. in line? Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's circle back to we're still on the what the hell just happened and why did it happen? Yeah. So if there's anything from this podcast today, listening to me and Dustin, it's uh, if you're driving, pull over. If you're working, just take, you know, five minutes. I really need your attention if you don't understand this. Um, so the four things that never change in terms of mortgage pricing, you know, whether it's securities or whatever, uh, mortgage-backed securities are pretty much based off inflation, right? So inflation in the market, whether there's a hot market, you know, the economy is doing great, you know, more than likely what's going to happen, you know, there's going to be pricing pressures. So the problem with inflation is, you remember that story that your father used to tell you? I used to buy a cheeseburger for 59 cents back in the day. Did that 59 cents change or what happened? Well, the cost of the burger went up, but probably because the cost of gas went up, the cost of, of cows went up, the cow, cost of cheese and bread and everything else that goes along with it and went, that, went up. And that is inflation. Correct. So now we have mortgage-backed securities and inflation. The part of inflation is it erodes the dollar that you would normally have. So that 59 cents can't buy the same thing. Correct. So inflation all right, is backed by how hot or cold the economy is doing. So hot market, you know, people can obviously charge more and it won't really make a difference. So as that kind of goes up, you know, the hot economy, higher inflation, higher rates. What 
is the one thing that runs the economy, that creates everything. It's the debt that's left behind. So the four things that never change, mortgage-backed security pricing, inflation, hotter cold economy, and a debt that's left behind. Those four things never change. And that's pretty much what's kind of going on right now. So you mean if, if you're trying to figure out the direction of mortgage rates, yes, those are the four things I should be monitoring. I should be looking at what are mortgage-backed securities currently trading at? Is inflation in check? Is it hot? Is it cold? Uh, what type of debt is going to be left behind? Um, and then what was the fourth thing? So the economy in general. The economy in general. Yep. yep. So gas prices, you know, that's, I feel like that's part of inflation. I feel like if you're building a PC, you know, I believe your son is. And what struggles is he having? Well, right now, the supply chain is all, is uh, all out of whack from uh, the, the effects of COVID. So getting the parts he needs, they're non-existent. Therefore, there's a disruption in the supply chain. So there's greater demand than there is supply. And in order for him to get the part that he wants, he has to stand in line submit for a lottery. And if he does get chosen, he's probably going to pay 25 to 35% more, if not double in the secondary market for a certain computer part he needs to build his computer. And that's part of the problem. The supply chain has been so disrupted because of COVID, you know, but the thing is once the masks come off and everyone goes back to work, that part should be alleviated and prices should come back down for a little bit. But the problem is the stimulus packages that have been passed, 900 billion, 1.9 trillion that I believe is already passed through the house mm -hmm. and needs to go through the Senate which then, um, I believe the current stimulus expires on the 15th of March. Okay. So they're trying to pass it before then. And you have all this money that's going into the economy, boosting it up, pumping it up, stocks are up, everything's great. But, you know, the one thing that's going to be left behind is the debt. Well, you're going to have a ton of debt left, and you're going to have a red-hot economy. So, yeah. like, at the end of the day, if I'm a loan officer, I need to be able to explain to my buyers, to my referral partners, that – there's a whole bunch of money being printed, and the benefit of this, no, it's not being printed. No, not in the U.S. We just monetize debt by selling uh, treasuries and bonds. So, we, okay. thank God we're not doing that. We're, we're not printing money. Thank God. Okay. Thank God. Well, th thank you for the correction. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> but there's a whole bunch of stimulus being passed. Correct. There's going to be a whole bunch of money pumped into our economy uh, because our government sells debt. Then they, they take that debt, monetize kind of, it. Monetize it. Yep. They're going to pump it into the economy. Which means if you have money invested in the stock market, you could be looking at a pretty bullish market for the next nine months and possibly up to the next 60 months based on an article I read last night. But with that, by the way, we could get jobs back on track. We could get people making money again. Uh, our 401ks are going to do tremendously. But the cost of goods and services are going to go up. That's the inflation. Yep. And you're telling me inflation is the killer of mortgage-backed securities. So the only way to combat the expected rise of inflation due to a potential red-hot economy due to economic stimulus is to lower the price of those mortgage-backed securities, increase the rate of return. The increased rate of return is our borrowers' interest rate. Is it going up or down? Well, it's going up. I, I just said that. I dropped the F-bomb. I'm like, holy cow. I had you know a pipeline of $10 million I was getting ready to lock in at 2.75 with no points, no origination. And all of a sudden, three and a quarter is the best I can find? Like, what? Tell and, me that. And, and that is, that, that is what, what happened oh, with some technical geeky stuff. Correct, which we can talk about that all day. 
and I really want to, but it's only a 60 minute session, I believe. So, you know, could you imagine telling someone 30 years ago, my rate's three and a half percent, that's too high? No, it's crazy. It's wild. Like, how about this? Interest rates in June were three and a half. Yeah. We were refining the crap out of people last June. No pricing pressure. Possible, we're probably in a recession for the last nine months because of that sector being closed. Yeah, in but the good sector. But but I mean, you think about it, you're doing you're doing a backflip for three and a half. Like yes, it sucks. You can't get two and a half. Yeah. How about this? Do you foresee rates coming back down? So in the last three weeks, you know, obviously we kind of chatted about mortgage-backed securities going down, 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 and now they're going up, 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 but down and up and down and up and down. I see, you know. Short term, you know, probably Q2, three, four. I see rates being probably three and a quarter to, you know, probably about three and a quarter is probably going to be the high. And I think what's going on is something, if you really want to look into yield curve control. Okay. I believe that's going on right now because you're telling me uh, Monday morning I'm down 120 basis points, which obviously is probably what, like a three eighths? Yeah. Three eighths. Yeah. And then in, by the afternoon, everything's back to normal. There's something that's going on to where they're not telling us. Because I know the Fed's buying $100 billion in mortgage-backed securities monthly. They may not be saying it, but it's out there. Yeah. Well, and, and, and the Federal Reserve is going to step in because the Federal Reserve needs mortgage rates to be low. That is part of their overall stimulus platform. But you know, the technical factors were not favorable. And we saw this massive sell-off. So the big question is, how do I consult with my consumers? What do I tell my borrowers? I mean, you tell them, you know, not to be too greedy at this point in time. And honestly, with what you just mentioned, you know, three and a half is not the worst thing in the world. If you're coming down from 5% to three and a half instead of three and three and a quarter, you know, don't be too greedy because there's going to be a point in time when that's not going to be there anymore um, in the short run and possibly in the long term. But, you know, I've never... More recently, you know, I've never really done one loan at a time. I try to do one in conjunction with the other. You know, I do a lot of first-time home buyers or move-up buyers. So what I try to do is give them their plan for right now. And I, I know you mentioned this a second ago. Where do I see rates going? I see rates kind of going up for the short term. But as I mentioned before, it always goes back to the four things. Too much stimulus is going to leave a hangover. You know, you're you're at a bar, you're drinking one shot, two shot, don't feel anything. Those are your stimulus packages. Three, four, you're on the floor. Okay. So that's going to be your hangover, which I hate to say this on live TV on what's today, March 2nd. Um, there's probably going to be a recession in 2022 or 2023 just yeah. because of all the stimulus. You're going to have a hangover. And, you know, with that all that debt, I see rates kind of dropping. And back to the original story, doing two loans at once, you know, don't pay upfront points because you're just going to lose that money in the appreciating market. There's no housing bubble. There's no housing crash, guys. Please. We did an episode on that, yeah. by the way. Yeah. I, we I, actually did a whole entire episode on, on is there a housing crash, and it went like this. No. Yeah. that's like, like I don't know how many <laughs> times I need to say that. I think that's the one thing that everyone's asking me. Is there a housing bubble? No. We have, it's an inventory shortage. Yes. You mentioned that on, your, on the episode. And yeah. I need to get that across with everybody. If I get asked that again, I'm going to fight somebody. But, but you are forecasting yes. and experts that you learned from, that yes. you look up to are forecasting the potential for a recession in 2022. What I want the audience to know is that's not a terrible thing. No. That's a normal thing. Yeah. Like That's like saying, hey, you're going to get a sinus infection next, next year. You may get two of them. Guess what? Sinus infections suck, but they come and they go. Very few sinus infections are full-blown coronavirus. Now, a lot of our listeners only know of the recession of 2006, 2008, that, that time frame. Well, that was the freaking coronavirus. That was a once-in-a-lifetime 
event, any recession that we have felt and that we will feel or that we felt prior to the recession of 2007, 2008, those were like those sinus infections. Like, hey, you get one, they come in from time to time. Sometimes they come annually. Sometimes they don't, you don't get one for three, three years, but it's painful for a small period of time. Some, sometimes you don't even notice it. Sometimes life goes on and you're done with it before you recognize that, oh, that was a recession? Like, yeah, we were in one, huh? Yeah, I guess looking back, I could see where growth wasn't uh, on par to where it needed to be but I didn't really have it impact my life or the lives of the people around us. Um, when it comes to interest rates going up, here was my take of the past three weeks. I guess it sucked, yeah. but it reminded me of like, I don't know, um, varsity football. And you knew if you were a sophomore getting called up that there's a good chance there's going to be some light, hate using this word because I'm, I'm going to date myself, some light hazing involved, right? Hey, you're a sophomore being called up to varsity. The seniors may grab you and you have to carry the equipment for the whole entire week, or they may make you dye your hair blonde, bleach blonde that was, or um, you may have to do something that isn't overly over the top, but it had to happen. And when it happened, it kind of sucked, but you were expecting it to happen. The same thing goes with mortgage rates. If you tuned in to what the NBA was forecasting, if Fannie Mae was forecasting, NAR was forecasting, Freddie Mac was forecasting, we all were forecasting rates were going to go up in 2021. We just didn't know exactly when and how it would happen because you can't control the markets. The markets are a living, breathing thing, and the markets are also emotional. Correct. In fact, they're as emotional as a 13-year-old, um, eighth grade, ninth grade, teenager would be, you know, like extremely emotional, sometimes hormonal. And so they happened in February, early March. They didn't happen in September like we thought they would, like they, we thought they would happen. But you're saying the levels they are now, are you thinking they could go higher over the next nine to 12 months? Or do you think this was the big gut punch and now we can live with it? So I still think there's going to be a lot of volatility. I think, you know, 100 basis points up and down is going to be normal, believe it or not. You know, so 100 basis points, again, that's roughly about a quarter percent. If a the price of a bond goes up or down by 100 basis points, interest rates will go up or down by? Probably about the same. I would say the quarter. Like about a, a quarter percent. Yeah. yeah, a quarter percent in rate. That's something that there's some people listening in. You and I are geeked out. I'm so excited. Like, well, I, no, I want to talk about more. But. Well, but no, we're not geeked out. What I'm getting at is if you're tuning in and you're hearing – 100 basis points equals a quarter percent in interest rate for the first time, and you're confused, this is your calling to say you shouldn't be confused. You need to go educate yourself. You need to understand, because that's a basic principle of our industry. Now, Patrick, starting the show off, given an awesome analogy of you have a, a $1,001 bills, and you're holding them in your hand, and you fell through the floor, you hit a ceiling, that is is geeking out to me. That is talking about floors of support, moving averages. Um, and that was the easy version of it. I tried to make it a lot easier, you know, but there's no really easy way of doing it. You just got to go out there, look at it, listen to the professionals and understand it. Yep. Just your basic economics class, believe it or not, what's probably one of the hardest classes even for me growing up because it's really backwards because it really makes your mind think. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the easiest way to explain it. So what do you tell your clients then? Besides, I mean, like... The reason why we as loan officers coach and teach 
go after the purchase business. And why I love the purchase business is that you have a purchase contract, you have three to six weeks to get that thing closed. Yep. I've always told people, if you like it, you lock it. Because in my uh, experiences, if you're waiting for rates to go down, you're risking they could go up by half a percent in order to hopefully gain them going down by a quarter percent. Meaning, in the almost two decades I've been at this game, and, and please correct me if you've seen it differently over the past six years, I have noticed that when they go up, they skyrocket up. When they go the down, no, they crawl down. And some of that is because the market, if interest, if the mortgage-backed security market just absolutely shoots up in terms of, of the bond prices go up, which means the rates are going to go down. Just because that happened doesn't mean that the street's going to give us, the originator, all of that at one time because of the volatility you're talking about. They're afraid that the market's going to flip in six hours or in six days. They're going to be slow to give us into our rate sheets the full market movement when rates are going down. But when rates are going up, I'm not, we're talking like CYA. reprices within minutes. CYA. Yeah. So like when you're consulting with clients, I think it's imperative that you tell people, look, if you like it, you lock it. And in my experience, when rates go up, they shoot up. When rates go down, they crawl down. So are you willing to risk $5 to win three? Because that's, that's kind of what you're doing. Are you risking willing to, to risk $100 to only win 50? Because when you don't lock in, when you float your rate... When they go up, they skyrocket up. When they go down, they they they, they crawl down. But what about what about your refinance clients? Right now, someone was looking to refi two three weeks ago, and look, they had little Johnny's soccer game. They had Sarah's lacrosse tournament and so and so's fiftieth birthday party to plan for. Getting back to you and and locking in that a refi wasn't a priority. Now they call you today, and they're like Patrick, I'd love to refinance, and you run the numbers. And it doesn't quite make sense or it marginally makes sense. Or they thought they heard you tell them an interest rate three weeks ago and that rate is nowhere close to being available today. What are you telling those people? Are you, are you telling them, sorry, you missed the boat? Are you telling them we got to lock you in right now because they're going to keep on going up? Or are you telling them that holding off for three, six weeks or six months will make sense? I have one of each of those. Okay. One of each of those. We'll talk about purchase and we'll talk about refi. So I would say out of the six ref uh, we'll do we'll say I had ten refis. I locked six without even asking the borrower. You know, you know, being a part of when it, like right when week I, one, week two, or week three, because we were on a three week run. Day one. Day one. Day one. And this I can contribute this to, you know, being a student of certified mortgage advisors in addition to um, MBS Highway. I'm sure there's plenty of subscribers that listen to that and this as well. You know, Barry does a great job of saying That's Barry Habib, by the way. And what's Barry's company? MBS Highway. MBS Highway. If you do have never heard that name before and you don't know of that company, look into it. If you're on Facebook, I couldn't even tell you where where this guy works. And, and what his background is, but I follow him on Facebook, Dan Rowich, R-A-W-I-T-C-H. Yep. Um, both of them are, are extremely intelligent, bright, experienced, um, and you, you should be trying to learn anything that they're putting out there um, for the betterment of you. So you are a student. Yeah. In fact, you took it one step further. 
Yeah, I mean, we'll probably get in that a little bit later. Okay, okay. Yeah, I so I know this is important, the whole refi stuff. I, you know, there were six borrowers that I didn't even call. I'm like, listen, I'm locking you in right now. I don't even care. Like, I, I, I'm locking out. I'll, I'll deal with it later. If you leave me, you leave me. Um, so I'm sorry to interrupt again because it's a great teaching moment for sure. anyone. The reason why you need to become a quant yourself. Correct. You, the reason why is those six loans, how much in volume? Roughly, just one and a half. Okay, so a $20,000 paycheck. Patrick was able to secure because he's a student. He understands the market. He saw the technicals. He said, this ain't good. I'm going to lock, lock, lock. I'll call these people. The worst thing they'll tell me is, hey, I don't want to do a refi with you. At which point, you'll go ahead and withdraw the application. You'll Incorrect. cancel the lock. Incorrect. I let it float, and they come back to me three days later. You do what? Of those, out of those guys, there was actually two of them that were like, I'm done. Like, I don't know why you locked in. I'm not sure why. Five days goes by. Hey, I was just wondering if you picked up an application anywhere else and see what you could find. Oh, shoot. Okay, so um, I'll shut up. But <laughs> but my, my, my point being was there's $20,000 worth of commissions Fair. that you were able to secure that had you not been a student of the mortgage-backed security market, of understanding the technicals of, of our economy – you wouldn't have that money right now. You wouldn't have those loans in your pipeline right now. So so walk us through that. So you said there was 10, six of them you locked immediately. Yeah, the first thing is it doesn't matter the commission check. It's about these six borrowers that could potentially refer me more business because three of them are referred God, by someone God, Cindy else. Velez would love you. Like Cindy Velez, who was on the show a couple of weeks ago, would absolutely love you for saying that. Three of those borrowers were referred by current client referrals. Okay. So that was that reputation to me is more important than the $20,000 paycheck. Um, but yeah, at that point in time, you know, the loan was far enough to where I was like, listen, I don't care what we're doing. We're locking for 45 days just to protect ourselves to CYA just, to, and that was a Friday before all that happened. So I did it. And then I didn't let anyone know until Monday because you have a couple of days before the new disclosures have to go out. So that was a great phone call to have. Now, two of those 10, um, I had a float because there were just like investment condos. So I'm like, you know, it's always 50, 50 anyways. Mm -hmm. And I'll roll the desk on that one. And then the two other ones, you know, I just kind of were like, man, like, I don't think we're gonna be able to do this. They're marginal anyways. We're just kind of running numbers. So what we'll do is we'll get you all the way to the clear close state and then try to lock you in where you want to be at. Okay. So three different, the three options you had, I had all three. And then which one panned out? Um, I would say as of right now, all the six that I locked in, five of them closed, one's closing maybe tomorrow or the next day. I have the two condo refis that are still floating, still waiting. And then the other two, um, I think we're in recent middle state. And I think with the basis points coming back a little bit, I kind of was like, listen, we're not paying upfront points. You know, we'll try to maybe do a loan in the future. Maybe we'll look at debt consolidation instead. What do you think? You know, maybe you can still get a lower rate, lower your payment, but maybe pay something off. One of them switched from a rate term to a cash out and the other one's just waiting for that low rate again. So, okay. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. You, you mentioned condo, you mentioned investment property and why you didn't jump on those. Uh, again, uh, and we, we have quite a few people newer to the industry. Right. So anytime there's a teaching moment, I want to be like, hey, sure. let's pause, let's teach a moment. Uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac have loan level pricing adjustments, LLPAs. And if you, you can Google, by the way, Fannie Mae LLPA chart. If you look at the, the dings, I call them, mm. the, the, the penalties, the risk-based pricing assessments for A, condo and B, cash out refi. And investment. And, and investment. <laughs> Yeah, what Patrick's getting at is those are very difficult loans to win to begin with because pricing might not be available for someone who's having a loan level pricing adjustment or a risk you know, assessment 
because it's a condo, because it's an investment property, because it's cash out. And it's in Florida. <laughs> so, 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 it, so I understood where he was getting now. I'm like, yeah, I would, I would have done the same exact thing. You have 10 loans. What are the loans that had the most opportunity of, of actually helping people save money? Um, okay. So, so that's what you did. But like, honestly, the reason why you're on the show is because most people didn't do that. Most of us were caught with our pants down. Most of us saw Friday happen and we're like, well, let's give it till Wednesday. Then Wednesday happened. We're like, let's give it till next week. The next week happened and now we're screwed. So now people are calling us. They're wanting their 2.625, 2.75% interest rates. And you're telling them, we all are telling them that's not available. So now what? Like, are rates going to go back down? If so, when? I mean, you got to be an advisor at that point. You know, that some people will say this is a service industry. You know, maybe it is, maybe it's not. I say it's more of an advisory role. And looking at the charts, everything I mentioned before, the four things that don't change, you kind of see what's going on. You know, we were in a recession for the last nine months because, you know, the service sector was shut down. And, you know, stimulus, you know, direct payments, you know, tax return monies, pumping, pumping, pumping. And what's going to happen after all that is I would assume rates will go down because of recession that we mentioned before, probably in 2022, 2023, which means rates should drop down. So maybe now you might want to shift your gears from a, you know, two and five eighths interest rate that you're grabbing and maybe switch it out to um, debt consolidation if they have any, or maybe just telling them, listen, you know, let's just kind of go through and see where we're at and see what we can do. But I, for right now, if I can't get you on a rate term, I'm taking the full view. I'm seeing what kind of credit card debt you have, any auto loans that are going to be over three or four years, anything like that. Home improvements you might need, anything. education paid for, et cetera. Anything, yep. anything. Like at this point, there's more chances of you making more money in the market than just sitting equity in your home, to be yep. quite honest. So I'm taking it from that point of view and being so, an advisor. So if a refinance makes sense, you're locking it in right now. You're not telling someone, well, let's look, let's wait for April to come around. Let's wait for May because I could see us gaining the 300 basis points that we lost over the past three weeks or 250 basis points we lost. You're not seeing that being coming back to the market. No, as you mentioned before, when rate, rates jump up like that, it's, you know, it's through the secondary market, you know, everyone's got to get paid service. I mean, it's just way, it just doesn't, doesn't work like that. There's just no way. And in terms of, that was pretty much for the refis. And I don't really see it going back there for at least another couple of years because we're in a hot economy. You know, the masks are starting to come off, you know, Johnson Johnson's got that one shot going on right now. So, you know, everything's going to be opening up pretty soon, which means there's going to be more money out there. You know, people, a lot of pent up money yeah, too. People are saving money. Like we're, we're not meant to save money. We're yeah. meant to blow it. Right. Yeah. So all that's going to go out the window and, you know, rates are going to bump up and everything else. We actually teach uh, personal finance principles on this show. Mm. So we don't like to blow money. No, we don't. Um, but we blow money after we've actually hit our savings goals. Just FYI, you can go back and uh, listen to several episodes on budgeting if you need to. <laughs> no, okay. But, but, so, ne but nevertheless, back to that was a pretty much the refi is what I did. On the purchases, you know, it's all relative for the most part. You, you know, anyone who is anybody as an originator right now, let's just say rates are three and a quarter. You know, in your encompass, your LOS, whatever it is, you should probably have that rate set at, you know, maybe three and five eighths as a safe haven, as a just in case. Okay. So if I'm pre-approving somebody. Correct. You're, you're saying this is an awesome uh, best practice rule of thumb. 100%. If rates are currently three or three and a quarter, you're taking a quarter percent higher in qualifying all of your borrowers at a quarter percent because you're not convinced that this run-up in interest rates is done. You're thinking that this run-up could continue, maybe not at the lightning speed we saw it, but we could end the year at three and a half, three and three quarters. Yeah, I would say so. And if I were to come up to you, 
when I run these numbers for borrowers, I don't tell them the interest rate. They don't really care about that. They just want to know their monthly figure. And if I can run a number based on three and five eighths, and I tell Dustin, hey, your payment's gonna be 2,500. And then when you get your documentation, you see that your rate's three and a quarter and your payment's 2,150. Are you excited or are you not excited? Would you rather have that? Or would you rather have me say, yeah, it's three and a quarter right now, your payment's 2,150 and it goes up to 2,300. Right. Well, and not only that, but you're running AUS. And if mm -hmm. you're running AUS on someone who's tight, maybe because you're using one borrower, because the other borrower, for whatever reasons, doesn't fit the credit profile needed. So you're at a, 44.999 or a 49.999 and you're trying to run this thing at a, a two and seven eighths interest rate and rates are at three and a quarter you're not doing yourself the borrower the seller or those two realtors any service you're saying if your rate sheet's showing you three or three and a quarter at par add a quarter percent to it because yeah. long term originators should be prepared in 2021 for our economy to get red hot stay red hot Great for your 401k, great for your IRA, not so great for mortgage rates. But in the grand scheme of things, mortgage rates are super low. Below 4% is super low. No, they're not below 3%. Sorry, you missed that window. That window lasted nine months. But you can still get below 4 uh, Don't pay points Please because... Don't. Because what you're you're saying is that there's a good chance that there's going to be a hangover from all this stimulus. There's a good chance that the fun that we're having, this party of 2021, masks are coming off, vaccines, herd, herd immunity, finally get to vacation, finally get to go to Vegas. I'm going to pay for that. I'm going to pay for that. I, meaning the, the U.S. consumer, right? Oh, I thought um, you were paying for me now. We, we hey, well, let's see how this. <laughs> Y'all heard that right? If you do thirty six million a year, uh, thirty six million or more this year, you and I will go to Vegas. I'll pay for it. Y'all heard that? Yep, right here, right here. I got my people to talk to your people. Yes, I can't guarantee where we're going to stay, <laughs> or or who we're going to fly. The golden nugget. But but it's hey, there. I can get you there. Um, but no, but uh, ultimately, don't pay points. If you if you like it, you lock it. If the refi makes sense go for it. If you're qualifying someone who wants to purchase this year, but maybe they don't have to purchase today, make sure you're qualifying them at a, on, a, on a rate that's a quarter to even a half a percent higher than what today's market rate is. Yep. But we could see a mini refi boom in 2022 if a recession comes, comes around because yep. typically a recession would be bad for the economy. A recession could uh, thwart inflation at which, if I'm following you, you're listening very at, well. At which point, borrowing funds could become cheaper because we, our, our economic stimulus folks, love cheap borrowing as a way to stimulate economies. The light bulb going off makes you so happy. The four Holy things that cow. never change. Four things that never change. The four things that never change. Let me ask you a question. What you got? How did you get so smart and why? Like what, what happened that you decided, you know what? I'm going to do this. I want to understand this. Well, a la Dan Rowich or a la Barry Habib. Yeah. Rate watch and MBS highway are two great, you know, I can't speak anything better than what's out there. I, me saying something doesn't matter. You know, it's, yeah. it, they've been out there. They've have all these awards, crystal ball. It's, it's all of it, but getting so smart. How did I get there? You know, UCF, national champs, the finance stuff. That's my foundation. You know, look, going to those economics classes, you know, quantitative business tools, one and two, just seeing how things work and just, you know, applying. But that to I real knew life. you six years ago. You didn't know this shit six years ago, Patrick. Don't, I mean, look, I love UCF I'm, as much I'm as anybody, there. but I'm, I'm not going to let you, you just. You interrupt more than my wife does. Okay. God. 
<laughs> Love you. Um, but no, so MBS Highway. That's my first and foremost. You know, I, I get you're the average of your five best friends, right? And in the mortgage industry, you know, Dan Habib, Barry Habib, Megan Anderson, those are my three best friends in the morning. I get five to 10 minutes with them to kind of learn what's going on in the mortgage industry, inflation, you know, CPE, marketing, you know, COVID vaccines. It's literally my pre-workout for my mortgage. So instead of reading the Wall Street Journal or Barron's or Yahoo Finance, you're tuning into MBS. I'm a visual. It's MBS, MBS Highway. 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 Well, I get them confused because look, there are other services. There's MBS Authority. Um, I'm sure this guy, Dan Rowich, who we keep rate on watch. talking about is his, is his rate watch yeah, I think so. has, has rate watch. Um, so that, you know, Barry's probably the most well-known, right? He's the Coca-Cola of the soda products. Um, but there are Pepsi out there and for the real, uh, crazy connoisseurs of soda, there's the RC Cola still. Yeah. Right. So there's, these are, but, but for you, you are MBS highway highway. Yeah. And you know, it's, just like anything else, you know, five to 10 minutes, you know, you get my attention, you're talking about, you know, technicals and things I care about, you know, this helps me be a better loan originator, this helps me be a better advisor, more importantly, to kind of see what's going on. So I can, you know, talk the talk and walk the walk. I'm not just going to sell you a rate, I'm not going to just sell you a mortgage, I'm going to give you a full experience with a full advisory role at no cost to you besides doing your first mortgage with me. Right? Yes. So that's, that's me. So those are three of my five friends that I kind of listen to. And then obviously I parlayed that with, which is something I mentioned before, certified mortgage advisor. Okay. So talk about certified mortgage advisor, sure. but before you do, how much time do you spend with Barry and Megan and Dan? And by the way, when he said spend time with them, you're listening They're to my videos. Internet friends. They're yes. my internet friends. Yes. <laughs> you're not talking to them like specifically, Barry's not texting you saying, Hey, come to a Yankees game, That'd Patrick. Be cool. oh, it'd be awesome. That'd right. Be cool. Um, I'll take you to a Rays game. I don't know if you're a Yankees fan, but I'll take you to uh, Barry. Habib's a huge Yankees fan. Oh, perfect. Like I'll massive. Take I'll take you to a Rays Yankees <laughs> game. There'll be more Yankee fans. I promise you. <laughs> but no, but, but these, this is a, a, a subscription service that you subscribe to probably, I don't know, hundred bucks a month or less than that. A little, a little higher, something but, like that. But listen, but listen, like, let's just say it's 2,500 bucks a year. What, what does one commission on average cost you? $2,500. And, and by the way, you locked Ooh. in six loans for about $20,000 in commissions because you became a super fan and uber smart when it comes to understanding how how and what affects mortgage rates. So you've already paid for, I, I promise you, they're not sponsors of the show yet. Um, but <laughs> but no, but it's, it's like, wow, yes. Now your sales manager, branch manager, turned you on to this early on? Because like, when, when did you say I'm going to become a student of the mortgage-backed security market? Yeah, I mean, it, it. I think it happened one time. And I think I want to say it was, you know, when rates were kind of going up pretty recently, when I say recently, probably around, I would say the turn of probably 18 and the 19. Yeah. Remember the 5% yep. rates? And I was just like, man, I just don't understand this. I just don't know what I'm doing. And I just really didn't understand the technicals at that point. Now, Well, 16, the end of 16, when Trump was elected. Initially, yeah. Initially. When Trump was elected, there it, that was deemed to be very pro the economy. Anything that's pro the economy is great for stocks, but terrible for, for the debt market, for the bond market, for the mortgage-backed security market. You've been listening. So, so yeah, so we saw this. For folks that have been doing this for the past four or five years, you just experienced something like this at the end of 16 going into 17. Um, but you're saying it for you is 18 where we had another massive sell-off that yep. you're like, okay, I'm tired of being in the dark of having my head buried in the sand. I kind of want to know what's going on and why. Yeah. At that point, you know, I think it was probably my worst originating year. I think it was 18 or 19 and, you know, I wasn't doing anything really different, you know, and I always, you know, it, no matter what trade you're doing, you always need to grow. You need to learn 
you no one's ever perfect. So at that point, you know, I started investing in myself because you always got to invest in yourself and your business and everything else. And the first step was MBS Highway. You know, I'm listening to it. No idea what's going on. Like for the first year, I'm just like, all I care about, lock, float. What am I doing? That's all and, I care and, about. And then you're hearing wah, 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 yeah. wah. I'm just like, oh, okay, great, 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 great. And fast forward to the future. Now I understand what to look out for. I understand that a mortgage is a mortgage, but there's also, it's one of the pillars in life. It's very important. Probably the most expensive thing you're going to do. So it's really important for someone to understand it and have a game plan for the future. So that parlayed with certified mortgage advisors helped me understand the market, helped me understand technicals, and most importantly, helped me with my consumers. What is certified mortgage advisor? So it's a self-paced course. You know, some people can finish it in maybe like a weekend. You know, some people can finish it over months of time. But virtually, it's if you are within your first probably, I would say first two years, you're probably really hustling in the loan officer game. But years three through five, you really need to sharpen your skills. And I think three to five, and if you really want to know how the technicals work, definitely do it. But virtually, it's a self paced course and you just kind of learn everything from the charts to what is the mortgage-backed security, 10-year treasury bonds, inflation, CPE, a lot of these things. If you don't know what they are, you got to take the course. I'm telling you do. You. And telling you. what did the course cost you? Uh, I believe right around two, two grand. Okay. So you spent $2,000 on bettering yourself as a professional. Would you recommend someone who's brand new to the industry? Like if I have minimal resources, yeah. like you were already a great technician. Like I have to let the audience know that like very few people understand programs and products and guidelines better than Patrick, right? You became in your first three years of the industry, a great technician. Um, if you only have so much capacity to, to learn at one specific time, is it more important that I learn how to structure a deal? I understand Fannie, Freddie, FHA, VA, DU, LPA, before I understand the mortgage-backed security market, would you ever advise someone to learn it all at the same time? Or would you try to pace it out? Like think about college, your first two years is all gen ed, basically getting your AA or your AS. Your last two years is, is obtaining your bachelor's degree. That's when you specialize in your major. And then if you wanna go on for your master's, then it's another 16 to 24 months after. How would you recommend someone who's new to this industry to map out their um, professional development? So every loan officer is gonna be different. You know, for me, I wanted to learn the ins and outs of everything so I can actually talk and understand it. Whereas some people won't have the flexibility as me, maybe they're single and maybe they need to get start making money right away. So I would say it depends on the person, but in theory, I think you need to at least know a little bit of something. I think CMA can wait. Okay. I think, you know- Certified MSA, mortgage advisor, correct. CMA can, can correct. wait. Correct. Till year two? Uh, two, maybe three. Usually okay. by year two, you kind of know if you're going to make or break or not. You know, year three is kind of when things kind of take off, right? So I would say, you know, learn your guidelines, you know, meet with your realtors and those sphere of influence people and probably do MBS Highway just, you know, just because I think you can do like a monthly feature of that. Maybe it's 200 bucks a month, worst case. Um, and just kind of listen to the verbiage because just like going in the office every day, you're hearing these little chirps of, you know, mortgage rates or, you know, LLPA, you know, all this type of things and they eventually kind of stick with you and it piques your mind gets you curious so now you can start saying some of the things that they're saying and say it to your clients so i would say learn your products you know guidelines everything else and then maybe mbs highway just to kind of kind of enhance everything for you no that's that's great advice and i can already um 
predict those are going to be some of the questions that listeners are going to have. It's like, oh, man, you know, what should I do first? And it's like, well, you know, it's as you just said, it's going to be a little different for each person. But ultimately, you have to have leads coming in the door. So whether you work for a company that provides leads or whether you go out and generate a network of people who can refer you leads, that's very important. But when you get the lead, you kind of have to know what the hell you're doing. You have to be a great technician. How do you become a great technician? If you tune in enough times, you're going to hear me pimp out Zenix over and over and over again, only because that's all I know. There's a product of it. You are a product of Zenix, yeah. yes. There could be better avenues for becoming a great technician. Sure. Zenix is all I know. It's what I use. It's where I came from. So I easily and readily pimp it out. But you have to become a great technician. But at the same time, don't forget about becoming a worldly advisor who understands how economics impact the pricing of mortgage-backed securities, the pricing of your rate sheet. Where does that come from? It's not an arbitrary number, guys and girls. There is a science. There is a formula as to why. Maybe you don't have to rush out and drop the two grand on becoming a certified mortgage advisor until year three, but that doesn't mean that you can't subscribe to either RateWatch, MBS Authority, or MBS Highway and at least start learning the basics. At least listen to their daily commentary, which I think all three services give commentary, and at least be able to parrot it, right? At least yeah. be able to, to, to regurgitate what you heard, even if you only understand a third of it. Eventually, you'll understand two-thirds. Eventually, you'll, you'll, you'll understand 90%. Yeah. Yeah. And soon you can start making your own type of analogies, like the floor and ceiling thing that I mentioned. That literally came up to me when you're like, hey, I need you to do this. I'm like, how can I describe this to people? Oh, this is how I usually describe it to people. Yeah. They usually understand it. Just make it relatable, whatever it is, you know, whether it's mortgage-backed securities or, you know, anything else. Yeah, because your, your original example from earlier in the show is essentially, hey, look, I don't want to, like, lose you with geeking out. Yeah. But if, if, if I ever geeked out on you, just know that there are things – when you chart the daily trading of mortgage-backed securities, and they are called levels of resistance, you know, floors, you know, floors of support, 200-day moving average, 10-day moving average, 50-day moving average, just know this. Bull markets, bear yeah, markets. Something that normally keeps the price of these bonds at bay busted. Yeah. It was like 1989, we're in San Francisco, World Series, Giants, A's, and a freaking hurricane, a hurricane, earthquake just happened. Right. We had busted up highways. Right. We had a busted up uh, stadium. Yeah. We just busted through a, partic a particular support level and now we're free falling. Yep. And that wasn't good. Um, but just know we've now landed and where we are now is a different space. Therefore, there's different trading. Therefore, it's different pricing. Right, something, something along those lines. But you only know that because you've been studying it. I only know that because I'm friends with you. We're friends. Well, we're friends now, Patrick. I yeah. mean, after six years and <laughs> countless trips together, we've broken bread quite a few times. I'd call you my friend. But I would say, again, the four things that never change, just kind of take a look around. Just like anything else, you know, if you see the stock market booming, obviously that means economy is hot, which in your mind should think, oh, God, you know, you know, rates should be going up. You see gas prices going up. That's a clear sign of inflation. You go to the, go to the grocery store with 100 bucks and you can't buy the same things with 100 bucks. It's clearly something's going on. Whereas if you go to a store and you see sales. You don't see as many people out there. You know, gas prices going down. It's the same thing. It's just, for me, it's like, I'm, I'm really excited about it. But it's the same thing, but just the opposite. So you see everything's doing great. You know, hmm, something's got to go off in your mind. Everything's not doing good. 
Yeah. No, it's, um, I remember telling borrowers for, for decades, like, look, I know we don't, we never want to cheer against the economy, but if you're in that window of buying a house for those 30 days, you kind of want a shitty economy just because typically if the economy is doing bad, inflation is low. No pricing pressure. Yeah. Rates are going to be low. That's economy is doing well. Circle. Stock market is up. Everyone's getting raises, but, oh, by the way, your mortgage rate is high. History repeats itself, and we're the grim reapers of just everything that's out there. If we're we're out there trying to get your refi, it's clearly because something's not really going right. But if we're out there just, you know, doing our normal everyday thing, you know, the chances are inflation's there and, you know, rates won't be the same, but it's still fantastic. It's still a fantastic time to buy. You know, there's so many different tools. I can't go back to MBS Highway because they have this tool called Bid Over Ask right now in this market. You know, I had six borrowers ask me numbers on the same property, the same property. And guess which one got it? None of them. Oh, geez, seriously. Wow. So That's they, fun as an originator. And, it, and MBS Highway is just not that tool. There's multiple tools. There's like the social studio to where you can do like a video kind of letting you know what how the market's going and they give you the script. Did Dan Habib put you up to this? Um, I mean, are, are you getting a discount on next year's subscription? Maybe a 1099. That'd be nice. <laughs> no, but no. no, but it's 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 fantastic, man. I I can't between working for a great company like Waterstone and then having my I know, did pay him for that. Okay. Between that and you know you know my three best friends that I listen to every day that give me my pre workout for my mortgage industry work, it's it's fantastic. I can't. I, I don't know where I'd be without him. Quite yeah. honestly. No, I loved having you on today's show, and thank you very much. Because as I kicked it off, you've only been at this for six years. You are a top producer. You did produce 125 plus units for 36 million or 35 million don't last count. year, everyone, right? Everyone asks, like, I don't count. I don't like, keep track. Like you got into this business pretty young, like pretty much in your 20s, early 20s, right out of college, maybe a couple of years of work history. And look at you now. And I loved having you explain it because it's like, look, if you're tuning in and you think he's a quant, you think he's he's geeking out, just know you too can be Patrick. I'm, I'm your average guy. Like, there's nothing special about me. I don't have the ability to memorize and recite things. You know, I, I'm just, I just study my trade and I focus on what's important to me. I don't really let anything really kind of bother me. And I just do what I have to do and be the best that I can. So before we conclude today's show, any last minute words of wisdom for those tuning in? So let's do, um, do we have time to do like, um, you know, a bold prediction? Yeah, go for it. Sure. Well, I'll start with you. What do you think, you know, going into this year, let's talk about, you know, rates. What do we think? You know, what, what are you telling your borrowers? What would you say after listening to all this? I'm telling borrowers that rates are going to steadily make their way up. It's not going to be a straight line. It's going to be a line that looks like a shark's mouth, right? It's going to have up ebbs and flows and ups and downs. But eventually, wherever we are today, we're going to end December 31st of 2021 higher than where we currently are February 2nd of 2021. I agree to that. Yeah, I agree to that. Now, there will be days that we have, we're lower, but ultimately, we're going to end the year higher. And most importantly, listen to your advisor or your loan officer when when they're trying to tell you, "Hey, we need to do this. You need to do this." And don't don't please don't get mad at your originator when rates drop a little bit. You know, it's not 
it, just don't be selfish. Don't be greedy because if you're refining, there's a reason why you're refining. And if you can get it, fantastic. But just, you know, just, just be respectful. Like it's, 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 I don't have a crystal ball. I'm only as good as what the technicals are telling me and what I can forecast myself. So, you know, we're going to do the best for you. Like, I don't want to lock you into a higher rate. If I had that choice, if I knew what was going to happen, you think I would want to lock you into a higher rate? No, I don't. Yeah, no, it's um, and it's one of those things too. If you have a borrower, we just had this yesterday. Uh, a, a guy on our team was looking to lock in someone, and look, their credit score isn't a seven sixty. It's more like a six seventy. And he's like, "Look, your interest rate is not going to be three and a quarter. It's going to be four. But what we've learned from talking to people like you and being friends with people like you, I'm not going to charge that person a point to get their rate down to three and a half." I'm going to lock them in at four because I know there's a really good chance that in 16 months, they're A, based on our advice, get their credit score from a 670 up to a 740, but B, mortgage rates have a good chance of coming back down in 2022 if we end up seeing the recession that's already being forecast. And another thing we'll add to that is, I mean, I would say general home prices are appreciating still, even probably in a recession market it's an inventory issue. So, Correct. you know, if you're putting 5% down now, three years later, if your house appreciates 4% at a time, you're almost at the ability to eliminate PMI. So Correct. you're not only you're going to get a lower rate, possibly a lower term, eliminate PMI, lower payment, you can get all those four things. Just yep. don't pay upfront MI, don't pay lender paid, borrower paid, because that's a waste of money. And don't pay points like waste. So if someone's looking to buy their house, if someone has uh, questions regarding refinance and a mortgage, What's the best way to get a hold of you? Well, honestly, I, I'm out there. You know, you can find me. You know, patrickmortgage.com is my main website. Patrickmortgage.com because no one can spell she shy in. And no one can really spell mortgage either, but I rolled that dice, right? Yeah. There's a T in mortgage. There's a T in mortgage. Who would have known? Oh, my God. John Coleman, I won't. He shared the best story with me at lunch like two, two weeks ago about the whole T in mortgage. He's like, man, I never understood why you're always like, oh, they don't even know there's a T in mortgage. He goes, until I didn't get a, a particular email that someone tried to send me, one of his loved ones tried to send him an email. And he was like, yeah, it didn't come through. So finally I called that loved one and said, do you know there's a T in mortgage? And they're like, oh, may, maybe that's why you didn't get the email. Yeah. yeah, there's a T in mortgage. But no, spelling she shying is next to impossible. Correct. I have known you for, for eight years, worked together for six years, been friends for five. And I still have to utilize Outlook, um, to make sure I'm spelling your last name right, uh, call you Sriracha Sauce, or um, thank God you taught me phonetically, she, wrote it on like my the girl, wrote it on my window. shy, like you, and like the girl's name, she, Cheyenne, Patrick, she, Cheyenne, Patrick Mortgages? Mortgage. PatrickMortgage.com, that's it. PatrickMortgage.com. 407-645-6302. 6302, Patrick, thank you for your time. I am sure this episode is going to be a hot success. We're going to get requests to have you back. So will you come back later in the year and do another episode with us? Um, I guess you have to speak with my agent again and see what um, she says. You know, speak to your so she'll um, kind of determine what we can do. All right. I'll have my people call your people. But until then, he's Patrick. I'm Dio. And we're out.